On this episode of Dear Patriarchy, we bring back Demian Deneyaji to talk about Rise and the Artist Fellowship that he just launched. We want to break down his approach to launching it and tell you more about how you can apply. Hi, Demian. Hi, uh, my name is Demian Denet Yoshe. I am a transdisciplinary artist um, working and living outside of the ancestral lands of the Multnomah and Chinook, um, otherwise known as Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm originally from Gallup, New Mexico. Um, I'm born to the clans Nastaje Tabaha and Torachitni uh, of the Dene tribe. And um, yeah, thank you for having me on your show and allowing me uh, a little bit of space to talk about Rise's Artist and Poet uh, Fellowship. Yeah, and can you can you explain to us what got this fellowship started? This is the first time that you've launched a fellowship like this, and can you break down why? Why did you decide to launch it? Yeah, a lot of my um, perhaps I should perhaps I should just say a little bit about what Rise is. Okay. Um, Rise stands for Radical Indigenous Survivance and Empowerment. I pretty much laid some of the groundwork for Rise in 2010, but projects didn't really start or evolve until 2013 uh, with with a curated show titled Bury My Art at Wounded Knee, Blood and Guts in the Art School Industrial Complex, and then after which Rise began developing uh, free posters, mostly utilized like through social media as a way to get out any sort of awareness as it pertained and continues to um, focus on uh, indigenous like matriarchs, indigenous queer, trans, gender gradient, two-spirit communities. And so Rice's uh, involvement is mostly about spreading awareness, education, and disseminating information hell-bent on empowering indigenous communities. So yeah, so... uh, Rise's fellowship opportunity came out of an overwhelming neglect of support for indigenous, queer, trans, gender nonconforming, gender gradient, two-spirit artists and poets. You know, most of the time, these communities are, like, underfunded, underrepresented. Um, They continue to be marginalized within indigenous communities, which have had a long history of support prior to colonization. So these native art organizations and institutions that both fund and also support artists' careers, but also who are inherently just kind of in charge of like who gets support and who doesn't, they are just completely neglecting to offer any sort of support or um, acknowledgement beyond an apology about restructuring the way their organizations or their institutions run. And in this way are also like doing a complete disservice to the way traditional indigenous societies functioned like prior to colonization. So in this way, they're also continuing this perspective. And in this way, they're perpetuating, you know, these settler colonial heteropatriarchal perspectives. And so can you tell me when this application deadline is what the amount and resource you're providing through rise 
for the communities you're inviting to participate are and what what the application process is like. Okay, yes. Yeah, so the, the Rise Artist Fellowship is dedicated to honoring the work of Indigenous, queer, gender gradient, gender nonconforming, trans, and two-spirit artists and poets. Through this Artist, artist Fellowship, uh, we are offering a $1,000 uh, unrestricted opportunity for this community. Um, the deadline for the application is March 9th, 2018 at 11.59 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. In order to apply for the application, uh, we're asking all interested people to email burymyart at gmail.com. Because because of the way that we are structuring this, it's not like a it's not like a formal application process. Um, we're kind of just going like bare bones about it and utilizing whatever free resources we have like over the internet. And so the application is in order for someone to apply to it, like we have to invite them. So it's important that, you know, people inquire to bury my art at gmail.com. And at that point we send out personal invites that leads people through the application process. It's a pretty simple application process. The only eligibility requirements we have is that applicants are 18 years of age or older as of March 9th, 2018, and that they are affiliated with an indigenous tribe and are dedicated to an indigenous community. You know, th- through some of the applications that or some of the inquiries that we have received so far, I've realized that that term indigenous is very broad. And it includes, like, other indigenous communities beyond the United States, beyond, like, First Nations and Native communities. And I think that's entirely valid and interesting. Like, the way we have these conversations as indigenous peoples in different regions impacted by, like, settler colonial violence, erasure, death, um, heteropatriarchy and such. Because it's not just Native and Indigenous art organizations and institutions that are continuing this legacy. I mean, they build off of, you know, the the infrastructure of contemporary art movements and cultures. And so the application process is pretty, I think it's pretty inviting. Like, it's pretty simple. It just asks for, like, an artist statement, biography, website information, some samples of work. I think it was a really good opportunity as well to kind of get into a little bit more more of an intentional space with some of the questions. You know, so some of the questions are like how do you use your creative your creative practice to acknowledge, reimagine, reclaim or build a future based around your awareness of your indigenous identity. Um, which I think is a really important question that we need to be asking ourselves as artists that no matter what like what level we are no matter how privileged we are, like no matter what our background is, just to be able to like set aside time to really think about how we are setting intention in terms of like how we're dealing with our identity, how we're reclaiming that and how we're thinking about like building the future, you know, leaving behind like certain legacies or reaching toward, you know, a a reclamation and healing from like past ancestral like traumas. So I think, you know, another interesting thing that I've we've we've sort of like thought about through the application process is also asking people whether they feel supported by their tribal communities um, and if they have felt support by our institutions or organizations and I'm really interested to see how 
people respond to this, you know, because I know within some indigenous communities, like there is support for an individual, but I'm, I'm really interested in like, if that support extends as far as like thinking outside of like the gender binary, thinking outside of like Western constructs of like sexuality. And if it's like nurturing like this, this reclamation of our like sexual, our complex sexual identities um, and gender identities as indigenous peoples. I'm also hoping that like through this um, artist fellowship that we're able to also highlight and continually support the work of these communities. So like no matter who we choose, we're still figuring out ways to work with some of the artists to expose their work and to continually support them, whether that's like in zine, uh, you know, zine format or like future exhibition or whatnot, like you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that these communities are like largely underrepresented. If you look at any indigenous shows, any um, indigenous exhibitions, most of the time, you know, like indigenous and non-indigenous curators are completely just ignoring this like queer gender gradient, non-conforming trans or two-spirit voice. Um, the same can be said within the literary world. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that through this application process, through like offering this opportunity, we're also figuring out ways to empower these communities and put these applicants like in contact with one another. So yeah, that's that's just a little bit about the application process. Yeah, and it seems like yeah, it seems like a form of community building. Um, not only are you offering like some money to support these artists, but rises contributing to uh, a solidarity where. Um, where if there's something that's happening that Rise is aware of, they have a large community base of queer, trans, non-binary, indigenous, creative people to pull from and offer support to through through those avenues, right? Of just being like, hey, this is happening. Yeah. Let's show up and go hard, you know? But it seems to me like when... Um, queer, trans, or non-binary um, gender gradient voices are represented in the context of exhibition, it seems to be for the form of token or for the form of, like, um, the thematic approach, you know, like, this is a queer show, or, oh, we got one queer person, we're cool, you know, so... Um, <laughs> we did our work. <laughs> we're good <laughs> we brought one of them to the table it's totally fine we're good <laughs> i think a good um way to dismantle like patriarchy and other systems of like oppression that we're faced with is exactly what you're doing is instead of seeking seeking inclusion from communities who just don't get it yet or aren't there yet create the narrative that you feel like is lacking and i appreciate that what rise is doing and so i just wanted to say that um i think it's really important work and it's humbling and it might not it might not feel completely like full-blown radical at this moment but i think the impact will be gradual and significant and um yeah, and so I'm I'm excited to see where this leads. And can you let us know where you think it will lead? Like what is your what is your ideal hope for this um fellowship? Do you hope it grows? Is this just a one-off thing? What are what are you seeing for this in the future? 
I mean, I hope it grows. Um, in the application, like it says, Rise, Radical, Indigenous Survivance and Empowerment is an autonomous, self-funded artist activist initiative awarding a $1,000 unrestricted artist fellowship. You know, a lot of a lot of the work that Rise does, like, you know, while we may get grants um, or funding from other spaces, most of the time Rise is not funded by Indigenous organizations you know a lot of the times that rise is actually funded is by like a western art organization you know rise has a series of zines that we put out and they all focus on indigenous poetry they're titled survivance and we have three volumes out right now and so you know that zine um now exists within like the the permanent collection of like the whitney museum of american art and um, read college. So I feel like, you know, a lot of the investment that people are making for rise, sometimes it isn't, it isn't like native art spaces that are embracing it. You know, a lot of the times, like it, it is still like these like cisgendered heteronormative communities that like indigenous, uh, art organizations and institutions like continue to like validate. And while those are like very important voices, it's also something that that has been historically, you know, at least within the last like century, that have been historically like supported and like whose entire like lives and careers have been like put to the forefront. And it's you know it's all it's all made like very strong like leaps leaps toward like our individual tribes and our individual communities. But at the same time, it's like there are other voices who face like threat and like suicide on a consistent like daily basis like it's really difficult to like look at an application like the native arts and cultures foundation and to to look at their whole process and look at the people who they have funded like throughout their history and see that there has only been like a very small percentage of like indigenous queer gender gradient non-conforming trans or two-spirit artists who have been supported it's very hard to like sit down and write an application knowing that, you know, you're putting like so much of your like intellectual, emotional and like physical labor into this entire process only to be like told later on that like your voice doesn't matter as much as somebody else's. And it's something that like continually happens throughout a lot of these, these processes. I, I think another really nice thing about this application is that, you know, we're not like, separating or creating like these borders between like what is traditional or what is contemporary, you know, how people make their artwork, how they're responding to like, you know, being like living, surviving and thriving individuals and doing that through art and poetry, you know, it doesn't need any more labels behind it. You know, we don't need to like be separating between like what is, what is considered traditional, what is considered contemporary. At the end of the day, like, we are all contemporary living beings who, regardless of, like, where we are in our identity or where we are with our culture, like, we're continually having to respond to this idea, this, like, dated idea of what is considered traditional, both within our culture, but also within our identities. And I, you know, I sometimes wonder, like, whether that has, like, how much that has ties to this conservative assimilationist agenda. Again, like, it perpetuates and has the possibility to perpetuate this, like, settler colonial vibe that is damaging to our communities. So, yeah, um, I, I think that's important to say. Um, I think I think these spaces that have continually disregarded this community, they're not interested in, like, making more room for us at the table. You know, like, 
they weren't interested in like giving us a place at the table. If if that were the case, there would be more of an initiative to get out there and to fund it. You know, like they, they would have already made these changes. It's already like 2018, and like these changes haven't been made. It's showing of like their disregard for the community, but it's also a reminder that like we got to do this for ourselves. You know, we can't like wait for other people to be doing it for us. Like this Rise Fellowship opportunity is a reminder that like we don't need institutions or art organizations to do the to to do that for us. You know, and much of the way that Rise functions, it's about relying on that community support. It's about like continually like giving back to the community. And so the entire fellowship that RISE is given out right now is through RISE's own personal finances. You know, it's, it's through like the, the support that people have made to RISE over the years. It's through people buying zines and t-shirts and posters that RISE is able to do this through the, the ephemera, um, which in very small ways, I think also, you know, become a way of like purchasing a piece of the artwork without having to like exist in like this institutional, like inaccessibility of the artwork, you know, putting something up on a wall and throwing like a $25,000 like price tag on it. You know, that's not a democratic way of thinking about distributing artwork. So, you know, I, I think in the future, like Rise will seek out different ways to like fund this fellowship opportunity, but I don't think it's just a one-off, you know, I think this needs to be something that is like sustained somehow. It would be great if, you know, if it wasn't just a 1,000 unrestricted artist fellowship to like one artist or poet, but if it could be like, you know, three or four different, because it's not just one person, you know, who needs that support. It's, it's an entire like community that needs it. But, you know, for the financial purposes, this is like the best way that we, we can just sort of like at least get it lifted off the ground and compensate someone and highlight their work. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's important to like start somewhere, you know? I think that's something that we need to always remember is that it can feel so overwhelming to begin and even if you begin with a small token of appreciation for a community, it's it's the beginning. You know, the snowball the snowball has been packed. <laughs> um <laughs> so is there anything else that you'd like to say? And maybe before we end our conversation, you can just state any links and stuff to the application, to RISE's work, um, ways to find you and stay connected with RISE in general, and also um, to find the application. Well, yeah, I would just like to say that, you know, no matter like where you are at in your career, no matter where you are like physically in the world, like on a reservation or off of a reservation, it's important to make the work. You know, it's important to, to start somewhere to like have these conversations. You know, so much of like my earlier career was just, I have this one video where I'm just like talking to myself about like going to the beach and running a bath or whatever, you know, and like showing this, this video inside of critique in art school was like so vulnerable, you know, it like, I felt so naked in front of it and I thought it was so important for me to do it, you know? And at this point, like it was just a hurdle that I needed to jump over, you know? And so I don't think there's any wrong thing that you can do in your art career, like any move you make no matter how like vulnerable or claustrophobic it makes you like do it, you know, like 
take those risks, take, take those challenges because it's ultimately going to get you to where you need to be. And, you know, offering this like rise fellowship is, is a little bit like that. You know, it's like, it's scary. It's for whatever reason, like it is, but at the same time, it's like, it needs to be done. You know, this community like needs to feel that support. It needs to feel supported. It needs to be actively engaging in a living and thriving contemporary art movement. And yeah, so you can continue to follow Rise's work um, on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Rise Indigenous, R-I-S-E-I-N-D-I-G-E-N-O-U-S. Uh, you can also find us on Tumblr at burymyart.tumblr.com. And um, if for any inquiries whatsoever, you can also email us at burymyart at gmail.com. And if you want to buy T-shirts or tote bags, posters and such, um, I have an Etsy set up. And if you want to buy the surviving scenes, you can buy those on Etsy as well. That link is etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Demian Danette Yashe. That's D-E-M-I-A-N-D-I-N-E-Y-A-Z-H-I. And uh, yeah, any, any, any ideas or ways people want to like communicate or talk to Rise or share ideas, you're more than welcome to email us. And by all means, go to our Tumblr page and download and redistribute and print out ever posters we have online. Like that's, that's for you. Rise is a collective in the sense that it's a part of a collective voice and all indigenous peoples are participants. Awesome. Thank you so much. And also, I just wanted to say that Rise and Demian are part of our Indigenous Goddess Gang. This podcast, Dear Patriarchy, is produced through Broken Boxes for and with Indigenous Goddess Gang. So so the circles of collaboration intersect again because Demian is a participating artist for Dear Patriarchy and um, part of Indigenous Goddess Gang. So you can also find resource for Demian on indigenousgoddessgang.com and you can also follow the work of Rise and Demian, we repost and redistribute Rise's work often on Instagram at Indigenous Goddess Gang. Thank you so much, Demian. Tell us one more time what the deadline is for the fellowship. Yes, it's March 9th, 2018, and you can email for the application uh, burymyart at gmail.com. Sweet. Thank you so much. Um, Demian will be a regular contributor to this Dear Patriarchy podcast as we unpack all kinds of patriarchal bullshit. So um, be expecting lots of conversations (laughs) between (laughs) me and Demian for Dear Patriarchy. Thanks, Demian. Thank you. Thank you.